2: Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, I know you're getting closer and closer to your Labor Day weekend, but do not give up this show because we have a lot going on today, especially with 67 days, 67 days until we get a new president of the United States, at least until Election Day, when we everyone's supposed to vote and ballots should be in. Uh, we're going to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, but I'm going to take a lot of your calls, so you get to vent a little bit uh, before you go to your holiday weekend and you have to keep your mouth shut in order not to alienate all your friends and family with your political views. Uh, So let's get to the big three.
4: In security footage obtained by Fox News, an 80-year-old part-time Napa resident called Nancy Pelosi can be seen slinking through a San Francisco hair salon. She has wet hair. She is not wearing a mask. But she was indoors. She was almost alone because due to coronavirus regulations, salons in San Francisco are closed for indoor services.
3: Unbelievable. Double standard of the worst kind. With salons shut down and dying as weeks go by, now only opening for outside operation this week, Speaker Pelosi caught on camera indoors, maskless, inside a San Francisco salon all this week. The Phila- also this week, the Philadelphia mayor, who says you cannot eat indoors, was caught dining indoors, but in Maryland, while he continues to prohibit indoor dining. And these are just a few of the glaring double standards in America today. Enough. Number two.
1: We are investigated coordinated criminal activity related to riots, destruction of federal property, assault of federal law enforcement officers. We obviously don't prosecute ideology or groups, but we certainly prosecute and certainly investigate criminal activity.
3: Yeah, let's find out what's going on. Carrie Kupek, she's with the attorney general, spokesperson. Riots and who's behind them? A.G. Barr reveals an investigation is well underway into who and what is fueling this urban unrest. Who is behind the the morphing protest into riots when the sun goes down, which too often cause death and always destruction? Antifa is where we go. William Barr is going there.
5: Number
6: one. By the way, thanks for agreeing to do this. You know, we got a lot going on. You've made a lot of tough decisions in your life. I hope agreeing to be the vice presidential candidate wasn't one of the toughest ones.
0: It wasn't tough at all. Not yeah. at all. I'm just so looking forward to what we're going
3: to be able to do. He speaks like cursive writing. One, one word leads to the next before you even realize a sentence is gone. What a hard hitting interviews uh, between the presidential candidate and his running mate. Who says he won't sit down for an interview? J.P. Morgan Chase, by the way, is telling its investors to brace itself for a Trump re-election. What is going on with both strategies for Biden and for Trump? And that's where we'll begin, because both will be speaking today. But of course, you know... Joe Biden will be in Delaware speaking about school openings and blaming Trump for school openings or not enough school openings in the pandemic in general. The president will be delivering remarks at a designated place in Wilmington, North Carolina, at a battleship uh, commemorating World War II in that heritage city. Uh, So he'll be talking there and taking questions, unlike the spineless Joe Biden, who will not take a question. Can you imagine being a campaign reporter, never getting access to your candidate, who literally says I'm staying safe and staying home. And when he does give a speech in a different location, shows up and leaves without any questions. You'd have to wonder, what am I getting paid for? to recap something I could get on cable television. So the vice president will be speaking at about 115 today. The president's going to be speaking at about four o'clock today. Uh, at which time they're going to defend their records. Uh, to me, Joe Biden's got to be happy. He raised a lot of money, about four, about $300 million. But we do know last month he reserved about $280 million to have television and digital marketing campaigns across battleground states. What I find significant is states that were in Hillary Clinton's column, he feels he's got to defend Minnesota, Virginia, Colorado. He wants Florida. He wants Pennsylvania back. I don't know if he's going to get them, but he can't win without them, more than likely. And he needs to keep the states that he won before. He's seeing that this thing is tightening even more than we're seeing it. And what he's trying to do is push back on Donald Trump, who looks to see what Joe Biden has said before and make him stick to it. Like, for example, he's against fossil fuels. He said it over and over again, but he says, I don't want to stop fracking. Read my lips. I don't want to stop fracking. Really? I don't want to defund the police. Really? Because when Minneapolis defunded their police, when New York defunded their police, when Seattle defunded their police to the point where the police chief resigned, when Portland did the same exact thing and that the mayor's urging, I didn't hear one word from Joe Biden. But when asked, no, I'm not for that. Well, that's not pushing back. Right away, you heard the president of the United States pushing back. So he's talking about yesterday on KDKA. This cut four.
6: Let's get the facts straight. Number one, I not only don't want to defund police, I want to add three hundred billion dollars to their million dollars to their budget, local budgets, to deal
3: with community policing to get police and communities back together again. We'll see, because if you keep saying that, unless it's a wink and a nod behind the scenes, you're going to lose the young black vote. Who, if you see them in the streets and listen to their words and watch their destruction and the tossing of Molotov cocktails uh, and the urban vote, the young votes, because a lot of these kids are white, youngsters, 18 to 25, 25 to 30 tops, they're counting on defunding the police. They're counting on cutting the numbers back, reimagining how police are in Minneapolis, in New York, in Chicago who are being targeted right now, cops being targeted in Chicago. So the president of the United States is clear. He wants to make Joe, defi- Joe Biden define himself. And if people on the left see Joe Biden the moderate and will still support him, I would be stunned, which means either that or there's a wink and a nod deal behind the scenes. Meanwhile, wherever President Trump goes, the crowds follow. Even Vice President Mike Pence goes to Pennsylvania. And it's basically the same distance we heard before. Republicans will never win Pennsylvania. Trump won by about 40,000 votes. Not a lot. Here's Vice President Pence from what he saw yesterday in Scranton. Cut six.
7: A lot of enthusiasm on the ground. You know, Joe Biden's boyhood home is not far from where we're seated. But this is Trump country now, Brett. And uh, I think it's because of the choice in this election. In President Donald Trump, the people of Pennsylvania see someone who's kept all the promises that he made. We rebuild our military. We revive the economy through less taxes, less regulation, more American energy. We stood by the right to life and religious liberty. And Joe Biden, by contrast, despite his heritage in this area, now leads a party that I think has been overtaken by the radical left. Um, They want higher taxes, socialized medicine, open borders, abortion on demand, and actually want to cut funding. To law enforcement, and what I saw here today, uh, what I saw on the road of the way here is that uh, we're going to win four more years for President Donald Trump in the White House. Real clear
3: average in the battleground states, which includes Pennsylvania, 48-45 in favor of Biden. But man, that's closed down. Here's the advantage that Biden has. In terms of the Democrats registering voters, they've registered 132,000 more voters than Republicans. Trump won by about 45,000 votes. In North Carolina, the Dems registered 56,000 more. That was a slight win for the president. Arizona was a slight win for the president last time. They've registered 11,000 more Democrats. And in Florida, 2.4 million new voters, 56,000 new voters' advantage. Of new voter registration for the Democrats. So they got to find a way to bridge that gap. And a lot of those people are younger. That's what they're up against. But here's the good news for. Republicans, in terms of what Trump is seeing behind the scenes, their polls are showing that they're increasing Hispanic vote. They're getting up to 38 percent. They won with 30, uh, 28 percent last time. The black vote, they're getting closer and closer to 20 percent. They won by, they got about 13 percent of the vote last time. Both those things could really close the gap to the other things that I just mentioned to you. But the bigger story in America. Politics aside, are the riots and the insurgency, this Antifa group. If I just saw the Martin Luther Kings of today in the street talking about racial equity, I would say the, the, the issue is race relations and racial uh, race relations and leveling the playing field. But it's not the issue anymore. Now it's violence and anti-Americanism. Because I'd like to talk about that, but I think you've got to put that in a separate column from what we're seeing. I mean, when you have a Molotov cocktail go flying into a police station on the last day of Carmen Best's reign in Seattle, that's an issue. When you see people come from out of town from Portland to Seattle to Seattle to Portland and now to Kenosha to Wisconsin, I don't see people are upset about race. I see people are upset that this is America, and that's what people are wondering. Why are you wrecking my my tire shop? Why are you destroying my— uh, my dry cleaner. What did I do? What do how is that the problem with a, a police shooting when they're pulled when they're pulled to a location where someone has violated their uh, their protection order and already has a sexual assault on their record? So that ends up being one incident, and next thing you know, businesses are burned down, and that's when people check out on let's make racial progress. They say there's good and there's bad and there's wrong and there's right. And that's wrong. Here's Linda Tolliver from her perspective, what the National Guard did and what they had to experience, because she's with a tire. She owns a tire shop. Cut a.
8: That was a godsend. I mean, it was a combination of things. A lot of the, the, see, these people that were protesting were not our, our people. They were from out of town. And when they left to go to a march in Washington, D.C., and the National Guard came in. By the time they got back from doing their march and whatnot, um, we we all settled in. We got the National Guard here. I, I I'm very confident that things will go a lot more smoother now and I'm Very grateful for the National Guard.
3: Absolutely. So keep in mind, these aren't, as you just heard, these are not people from Wisconsin who want things to be better or different. They're people who are anti-American, who are against cops and law enforcement. They're against capitalism and people earning a living. They just want to create havoc. They don't have jobs or direction. Who is paying them? If we can unwind Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, if we could make sure uh, ISIS doesn't come to our shores, how could we not take a domestic terror group, Antifa, and find out who's paying them? I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. So the president showed up, not just for a photo op to say, look how bad this is. He toured the burnt-out businesses. He met with law enforcement, and he had a million dollars to Kenosha Law Enforcement to help them. He also has $4 million to support local businesses to rebuild them. Significant. Reince Priebus, remember, he used to run the RNC. He grew up there, cut 18.
9: I'm from Kenosha, spent my entire life uh, in Kenosha. My parents live in Kenosha. Um, I think yesterday was really for Kenosha itself, more of a thank you for freeing and saving the city of Kenosha, and I can tell you it's not spin. People were very afraid in Kenosha, businesses were burned down, people were locking their doors in their houses, putting kids in basements, getting their hunting rifles out because they were scared for their life. And I think that while many of the things you're saying are important and I'm happy to get to those. I think you're missing in your intro at the 7 o'clock hour, your intro here. You are missing and dismissing the fear that people have in this country for wild violence put on by people who are coming out of town, destroying cities and businesses, and it needs to be addressed.
3: Awesome. He did say that on CBS. They just want to glaze over and talk about the president who might have had a mini stroke and why he didn't meet with the uh, Blake family. Well, he called up. He tried three times. The last time he got the pastor on the phone, they said, well, if you do meet with the family, they're going to want a lawyer there. They say, you know what? This is the wrong tempo. He didn't go. Whether you think that's right or wrong, he tried. So Reince Priebus sees their play in politics when he says, listen, I know what's on the ground. Why don't you ask me? And that's what I give him credit for. And that's what's going to get to independents and undecideds. I don't really think you need to know about the history of race relations. There's no Martin Luther King Jr. marching through the streets with a young John Lewis. This is not it. I'm not saying people aren't there for racial justice. I'm saying the people that did the damage aren't. And lastly, on this, Antifa commander, this according to uh, the Blaze News, cried in a fetal position after being caught with a flamethrower, smoke grenades on a way to a protest. Uh, the man's name uh, is Matthew Banta. He's 23. He was charged with ob- obstructing an officer and two counts of felony bail jumping. The station report. He also known to be a violent Antifa member who incites violence in otherwise relatively peaceful protests. That, according to W B A Y. Lastly, on that, there's a mayor, Ted Wheeler who has uh, been the target of Antifa and these protesters in his tower because he's such a terrible mayor. Even though he wants to ter- make this about the president, no one's buying it, even though they don't like the president and he got 17% of the vote in Portland. They know he's terrible. He thinks he's a hero. He's not. They keep protesting outside his house, so he's going to move. I don't think they'll find you, being sarcastic. The person who's running against him actually says... I am pro Antifa. I support the organization and the race in their primary is too close to call. How could you accept this? These groups are antithetical to the American process, to capitalism. I mean, these young people don't want or worry about the corporate uh, tax structure. They're not worried about uh, uh, climate change. They just want to destroy the country. How could you run on that platform? How could you normalize this group? And how is it, why is it taking William Barr so long to take them apart? You arrest 300 people, one of them's going to crack, and then you find out who's paying them and where they're getting paid and how they set up this whole organization. Unless they know already, and there's something else going on. one I want to take your calls next. and go to Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Uh, you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
3: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so called blue collar work is something to be proud of.
10: It shows you the lie of the Democrats. I'm the one that says play football. I said they're young, strong people. They're not going to have a problem with COVID or the China virus or whatever you want to call it. I'm the one, and they didn't like my narrative, so they just made up a narrative. Because if you look, Michigan is closed. All of these states that are closed, North Carolina is closed. These states that are closed are run by Democrats. And, and the- what
3: they did is what, he, what the president's referring to is the fact they're running an ad that the president's responsible for sports not having fans. Are you kidding me? Have you looked around the world? What a dumb thing to say. There's no relevance. There's no. There's not even an angle to say the president's against it. Your angle might be, why is the president pushing for sports to start? First guy to listen to him was Dana White of the UFC. Uh, Missy listening online in West Virginia. Hey, Missy.
0: Hi, Brian. I got your book. Thank you. It's so good. I can't put it down. I appreciate two points it. Today. Two points today. Number one, 242 white people have been killed by cops this year. Name one. You can't. Why? Because the media doesn't want you to know. They're controlling your minds and telling you what to be outraged about for no other reason. Number two, civil disputes when I was a cop. You know what that is? It's two people who have... An-
9: His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every
11: day. And while you're here, we hope you're subscribed to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
9: The
0: disagreement. They don't want it to escalate. They want somebody to come and decide what's wrong. They call the police. I went to at least two of those a day for 20 years. My squad probably went to 25 as a whole. No issue there, right? But all of a sudden, national news, it gets reported when a, white per- when a white person calls the police on a black person. I hear you. It happens every day, folks.
3: I think the police Where's are getting outreach? unfairly put into this mix. U.S. You know, society should address it. The police have to be uh, essentially the referees. Now, how do you feel about additional training for police? Talk about de-escalation tactics, things to modernize the force. How do you feel about that?
0: Brian, I've had more training than Shamu at SeaWorld. Every time that there was a Michael Brown, a Freddie Gray, we got more training. Can I say something honestly? Cops don't need any more training. Society needs the Bible. If you don't do wrong things, wrong things don't happen to you. Stop trying to make a correlation between race and skin color. Cops arrested 10 million people successfully last year without killing anyone.
3: I hear Less you. Than Thanks, Missy. Her- Thanks for you do. You always help the show. I appreciate it. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is next. And then we're going to open up your calls again and find out. If there's indeed more to know. Brian Kilmeade, show
11: from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to the one with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of the Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
12: The reason we didn't want the president to come to Kenosha, and the mayor of Kenosha also asked him not to come, is that. The situation on the ground there has improved significantly over the last few days but it's still a tense situation. This president consistently fans the flames of tension rather than diffuses situations and what we saw yesterday was unfortunately consistent with what we expected. He didn't acknowledge systemic racism, he didn't talk uh, about condemning the violence that we saw from uh, a vigilante who killed two people and shot a third person. It's not the kind of leadership we need and hopefully we will see that kind of condemnation from the White House and somebody who's trying to unify people. Rather
3: than divide us going forward. Would you heard as an attorney general of Wisconsin, Democrat, who had no interest in uh, talking about law and order, but just wants to play politics? The mayor and governor felt the same way. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West joins us now, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center. Colonel, do you think the president made the right move going, and was do you do you, uh, do you think he missed an opportunity, uh, in not going to the Blakes uh, to the Blake family?
13: No, I don't think he missed an opportunity not going to the Blake family. I think the president was focused on the real issue and trying to go down there and ascertain what he could do to help the uh, local law enforcement in quelling this violence. Look, I'm sick and tired of these leftists who did not acknowledge uh or did not address this violence and chaos on our streets for the entire week that they had their Democrat National Co- Committee. And now they're trying to blame the president for that. We know that Gerald Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, when he was asked about Antifa, he said that there was a myth. If you wanna talk about the purveyors of systemic racism, I'd be happy to have a, a history lesson to you know point that out with uh, the Democrat Party. And we bring that out in the documentary, Uncle Tom. And I think lastly, when you talk about about the young man, 17 years of age, that they're calling a vigilante. He was not a vigilante. He was attacked. He was attacked by someone that had a firearm. He was attacked by someone that had a skateboard. And he did what the Second Amendment allows him to do is protect himself. Now, there's going to be some uh, interesting charges as far as the person that provided him a semi-automatic rifle, but no one should uh, should be attacked. No one is talking about the Trump supporter that was shot out in Portland, Oregon. And also, I don't think the attorney general there of wisconsin is talking about the black man who was a trump supporter that was executed at point blank range there in milwaukee so the hypocrisy once again is laughable but is expected from the uh the progressive socialist left
3: so why is it taking so long to get answers on who's funding and supporting antifa i I don't get it we we do a great (laughs) job with isis hezbollah and and al-qaeda but this is a domestic organization come on
13: this is absolutely astonishing to me. You know here in uh, in texas about a month ago We had 11 buses of antiphon black lives matter protesters that showed up in our capital city in austin They didn't just all of a sudden magically get on buses and appear in austin someone paid for those buses the gasoline the whole nine yards so there is a uh, A subcommittee, well, not a subcommittee, but there's a subagency in the Department of Treasury that looks at terrorist financing. If the president has declared that Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization, that uh, subagency under the Department of Terrorism, I mean, Department of Treasury that looks at uh, terrorist financing should be peeling the onion back on, on that right here in the United States of America. And that, I think, is the number one thing that should have been going on all the way back to Inauguration Day. When they were right. burning cars and destroying uh, Col- buildings,
3: Colonel, if we were, to, if there was a Martin Luther King and a young John Lewis in the streets in these cities, I'd be interested. I'd be, it would be a fascinating conversation and to move race relations forward, whatever it took. But there's none. The, I mean, the things that happen at night are flat out criminal. I mean, it is violence. It is revenge. It is damaging to the economy and to the spirit of the country, there's nothing positive emerging here when you could actually say in the 60s in Birmingham and other places, we were becoming a better country.
13: No, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's why when you saw with the civil rights movement, That everyone was united together. And in the aftermath of what happened with George Floyd, the country was united in saying and condemning uh, the actions of that police officer. But now we have seen, as Rahm Emanuel says, never let a good crisis go to waste, how the the left has taken a hold of this and the violence in the street, the tearing down of monuments and memorials. This is not, uh, this has nothing to do with what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or what you saw happen in Kenosha. And we also need to make sure that. We get all of the facts in the case as well before we start to go out and and make all these judgments. But again, you know, Black Lives Matter. I mean, read their website. Understand who they are. This This is not a civil rights organization. This is a Marxist organization. This is an organization that says that looting and violence and things are justified as a means for reparations. No one should want to be a part of that. But yet we have seen so many corporations, Brian, that have gotten on board and given them millions of dollars. We see all these sports uh, organizations. Look at what the NBA is doing and, and giving them a platform. Why would we give a platform to a Marxist organization that's rooted in violence, rooted in criminality, and supporting it, that's talking about burning down our country and burning down our systems if their demands aren't met? The greatest demand in the black community today is the issue of father. The the issue of better education opportunities, better economic opportunities, and I'll be very honest, and maybe people are uncomfortable with this, but since Roe versus Wade, over 20 million black babies have been murdered in the womb. The black community makes up 13% of the population of America, but we make up 35% of abortions. No one in Black Lives Matter is talking about that.
3: So let's talk about sports, because the NFL is going to open up in two weeks. And in one end zone, it's going to say end racism. In the other, it's going to say it takes all of us. And every player will have the opportunity to put a pre-approved name on their helmet. And uh, and one of those names uh, is uh, Tyler Eifert, is a tight end with these, with I was going to say, uh, with Jacksonville Jaguars. And he will put David Dorn's name on, the St. Louis police captain who was murdered in June in the St. Louis riots. Now, we're seen, we're heard in WOKV and KTFK, so we're all over these markets, and our show means a lot, thankfully, to both those cities. Now, I don't know if that's going to be approved by the NFL. I assume it would. I don't know why it wouldn't be. But do you think there's going to be pushback with a police officer's name on the helmet?
13: Well, it wasn't too long ago. We lost five police officers here in uh, Dallas, Texas. They were uh, guarding a, a Black Lives Matter organized uh, protest march. Uh, they were shot by, by someone. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys asked to put an emblem on their helmets to remember those five fallen officers, and Roger Goodell and the NFL said no. So uh, if they go down that path again, I think that you will see an incredible uh, reaction and an incredible consequence for the NFL. They need to be in the business of what they're supposed to be in the business of. And if they're going to make these social uh, stances and social statements, they need to make sure that it's not based upon an ideological agenda, but that which is right.
3: David Dorn's black, by the way. Not that that should matter, but... Yes. Yeah. Uh, I want you to hear what's going on in the NFL, and you saw what's going on in the NBA. The NFL hasn't played yet. They haven't even had a preseason game. So here's Broncos running back Melvin Gordon on the Rich Eisen show about the possibility of doing what they did in baseball and basketball, and that is boycotting a game. Cut 24.
7: Do you think that something like that about not playing NFL games could happen in the NFL over the next couple of weeks that that conversation might be had?
13: Yeah, do you think? I, I definitely wouldn't put it past us collectively as a as a whole. In the NFL, I wouldn't put it past us. It can definitely happen. You know, our time is coming where people and teams and others will look for us to make some type of stand and, you know, make some type of action. So um, it's to be talked about. It's definitely conversations had, but... Yeah, we'll, I guess we'll really hone in on that when games come around and see what happens.
3: Colonel West, would that be the right move?
13: No, it wouldn't be the right move. And it just pains me to to see this level of ignorance when, when it comes to addressing the real issues within the black community. Uh, I wish Melvin Gordon would speak out about the issue of fatherlessness in the black community, only 24%. Of young black kids have a mother and father in the home. That's down from like seventy-seven to seventy-eight percent when I was born in nineteen sixty-one. Uh, again, you know, there's an organization that was founded by a white supremacists and racists who spoke at Klan rallies. Her name was Margaret Sanger. She referred to blacks as undesirables and weeds. The organization that she founded, that Planned Parenthood, seventy-three percent, I believe, of their clinics are located in wow. black communities. Thousands of black babies are are murdered in the womb every single day. And in the city of New York, last time I counted, there are more black babies being murdered in the womb than there are being born. Where are the voices? Where are the voices of the NFL? Where are the voices of LeBron James and all these other, you know, useful idiots instead of jumping on this bandwagon of a Marxist organization?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, Colonel, uh, you know, LeBron James will say, I didn't have a dad. I came out pretty good. Let's not blame it on that. And I would love to see. Well, uh, and I'll let you answer that. I, no, but, I, I I, to,
13: but, but see, I have to blame it on that. I have to blame it on that because when you look at these young men that are out there in the streets in Chicago, you know why aren't they just talking about the black on black crime in Chicago? Ninety plus percent of the deaths and the shootings in Chicago of black males are from other black males. That is that is a systemic problem that we have in the United States of America, not just in Chicago, but in all of our major urban population centers. Sure, you can come out great, even though you don't have a father. There's a lot of fantastic single moms that are out there struggling hard to ben make this work. Ben Carson's mom, for example. Yeah. Absolutely, Ben Carson's mom. But let's not you know, act like that's not a very prevalent issue in our community, unlike any other community in the United States of So America. you
3: would be more in line with this— Um, if you, if the, some of this money, for example, I'd walk, if we could get mentors flooding into these, uh, into these minority communities, if we could get boys and girls clubs flooding into these minorities communities with trained counselors in there in the meantime, waiting for a generation to grow up and hopefully understand the benefits of a nuclear family in the perfect world. And we know there's nuclear families that are not, that are more detrimental than not. I get it. But that would be a positive development.
13: That would be a hugely positive development, and that's the conversation that we need to be uh addressing. You know, how have we seen this incredible decline in the the uh, the black community from like say in in my fifty nine years? You know, from the strength of the family, from the strength of educational opportunities, the strength of economic opportunities, small businesses, that's what we need to be uh, looking at and discussing. But again, we have defaulted to the same old thing. Let's talk about the easy layup, which is this discussion about racism instead of the real systemic problem, which is the policies that have been implemented that have turned an entire community into victims instead of victors
3: very interesting conversation and colonel how are things going in texas i understand there's a big push from the governor to tell some of these other smaller cities don't blanket your town with ballots unsolicited right
13: yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, you you can discuss this. Uh, if you go back to April the 14th of this year, Eric Holder in an op-ed in Time Magazine talked about how they would use coronavirus to change elections in the United States, and it's all this mail-in ballot. So we've got a big fight going on with uh, Harris County, where the uh, county clerk is also the treasurer of the Texas Democrat Party, and they're trying to mail out 2.7 million ballots just down a list uh, a registered list absentee balloting is completely different from this what the democrats want to do absentee balloting is controlled we in the military understand it. you request for a ballot to be mailed to you it is tracked it is it is logged in but but it's completely different to just mailing ballots into a mailbox
3: absolutely i don't know why either side who wants an honest result would would sign off on that colonel west thanks so much
13: Always a pleasure, Brian. You take care.
3: All right, 1-866-408-7669. I'll be able to squeeze in some calls just around the bend. When we come back, what you're going to hear is from John Mendelson. He has this thing called the Red Mirage model that might actually happen. I'll explain it when we come back.
2: You're with Brian Kilmeade.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: A mirage, by definition, is something that appears to be there, but that doesn't really exist. And you have a model scenario called the Red Mirage. What does that mean?
10: The reason we talk about a red mirage is, in fact, because we believe that on election night we are going to see Donald Trump in a stronger position than the reality actually is.
3: So what he goes on to say, this Axios red mirage, is that when the walking people who, who vote in person are going to vote for Donald Trump. People that vote absentee are going to vote for Donald Trump. So on November 3rd, according to this model, Donald Trump's going to win. But gradually, as the mail-in ballots come in in states that weren't necessarily solicited he will gradually lose if this is not a recipe for major unrest in this country i don't know what is if that's a scenario incredible one 866 do you see it that way howard's listening in portland oregon howard man are you in a turbulent place
8: Yes, I am. (laughs) Hey, uh, uh, thank you for taking my call. It's an honor to
3: be on your show. What is it like uh, there every day? day.
8: Um, Well, we live in a suburb away from uh, downtown Portland, but I uh, tell my boss that I don't want to be sent to downtown Portland to do to do work because, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want to be stuck down there in the middle of some kind of riot or something. But uh, but basically, I've uh, uh, I have i not been downtown in quite a quite a while now. Um, I think we're kind of uh, been kind of avoiding that. Anyway, that being said, uh, the reason why I am calling um, is is that. Uh, and by the way, it's an honor to follow Colonel Allen West. Wow. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, I have noticed that when you call uh, your state level uh, 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 representatives, you can get through to a human being. OK. Um, and as a matter of fact, I talked to one of my, mine uh, here recently. And what is it about? Okay. Just try uh, to get to the
3: point uh, if you can, uh, Howard.
8: OK. The the point is that that um, we can't get through to human beings on the phone at the federal level state uh, re, or uh, federal level representatives. Then Senate, Senate or Congress.
3: I hear you. And it's it's, like, it's frustrating. You got to have your voice being heard. Uh, I appreciate yeah. the call. Let's find out if there's even more to know.
2: More to know.
3: The FBI is investigating a report of a guy in a jetpack flying 3,000 feet uh, over in the air at LAX. Uh, we could hear. I don't want to. Necessarily, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Cut 29. That's
11: our American 1997. We just passed a guy in a jetpack.
7: Uh, American nineteen ninety seven, okay, thank you. Were they up here? Left side or right side?
5: Off the left side uh, maybe uh three hundred yards or so? About our altitude.
3: Altitude okay. is nineteen ninety
5: seven. Is it incredible
3: American to me? This is this incredible? A guy can fly in a jetpack when do I when are we supposed to know this? It seems like it's right
10: out of Iron Man. Right? I is this true? We all we have an option of a jetpack? Uh, there are options, but they're saying the jetpacks that exist can't really fly up that high with they'll need too much gas. But okay. they're saying it's, it's. there's two pilots that saw it, but it's yet to be confirmed. No one on the ground saw anything.
3: All right. Next, the Jacksonville Jaguars' tight end, Tyler Eford, will play tribute to David uh, David Dorn. That is great. Hopefully there won't be any pushback around the league. And another uh, NFL no. Patrick Mahomes proposes to his girlfriend, Brittany Matthews, They've been dating since high school, and the ring is pretty expensive. He makes $500 million. If it was not expensive, what would that say about their relationship?
10: I disagree. You're bearing the lead. They've been together since high school. So even though he's making so much money now, it's true love.
3: Yeah, that's true. Although I did say that in the beginning. Uh, They've been friends since high school. They've been dating since high school. So look, I think it's going to work out. But just don't be surprised when the ring's expensive. He's the highest paid person in sports history. You better be able to afford a ring. You're 24 years
10: old, right? Indeed.
11: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's
2: listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi,
3: everyone. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got Mercedes Schlapp standing by and Andy McCarthy at the bottom of the hour to make heads and tails of what's going on uh, with everything going free, especially with Michael Flynn. He wrote about that today, and we also have to get some uh, from sanity here when it comes to... Uh, what the president's looking at in terms of uh, the attacks he's getting from just about everywhere, especially when it comes to his tax returns and what's happening in New York City. We'll discuss that, and we'll get the latest on the campaign. Uh, The president of the United States is going to be in North Carolina. The vice president, the former vice president, is going to be in, get this, Wilmington, Delaware, talking about school starting and uh, something to blame President Trump on. We'll talk about that, the closing polls, and so much more. So, Bert, first, let's get to the big three.
4: In security footage obtained by Fox News, an 80-year-old part-time Napa resident called Nancy Pelosi can be seen slinking through a San Francisco hair salon. She has wet hair. She is not wearing a mask. But she was indoors. She was almost alone because due to coronavirus regulations, salons in San Francisco are closed for indoor services.
3: Double standard of the worst kind. With salon shut down and dying as weeks go by and now only opening up on outside operation, Speaker Pelosi was caught on camera inside without a mask. I am not kidding. We got the video. Also this week, the Philadelphia mayor, Democrat, caught dining inside in Maryland. Why? Because he couldn't do that in Philadelphia, so he just went to his neighboring state while he continues to prohibit indoor dining in his own city. And these are just a few of the glaring double standards. Number two.
1: We are investigated coordinated criminal activity related to riots, destruction of federal property, assault of federal law enforcement officers. We obviously don't prosecute ideology or groups, but we certainly prosecute and certainly investigate criminal activity.
3: Kerry Kupek, the spokesperson for the attorney general, riots and who is behind them. A.G. revealed, the A.G. Barr reveals an investigation is well underway into who or what is behind the urban unrest. Who is behind morphing protests into riots, which too often cause death and always destruction. Antifa is the problem. William Barr knows it. He's coming for you.
5: Number
6: one. By the way, thanks for agreeing to do this. We got a lot going on. You've made a lot of tough decisions in your life. I hope agreeing to be the vice presidential candidate wasn't one of the toughest ones.
0: It wasn't tough at all. Not at all. I'm just so looking forward to what we're going to be able to do.
3: Uh, that was a hard-hitting interview between the vice president and his running vice president and his running mate. Do you believe this? So he is giving up interviews just to his friends. Uh, and by the way, they're so far apart they need bullhorns to hear each other. Sixty-seven days until elections, and both sides are start looking uh, at the backstretch game plans, and that's what we're going to do. Plus, why J.P. Morgan Chase is telling its investors to brace yourself for a Trump re-election. What are they seeing? Let's bring in Mercedes Schlapp, senior advisor of the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign. Mercedes, what changed over the last couple of weeks?
14: Well, I think that Joe Biden finally realized that his polls were st- starting to uh, go down because of the fact that he wouldn't address the obvious issue that we're seeing in these states like Portland, in these uh, states like in cities like Portland, in these cities like Chicago, obviously what happened in Kenesha. So, it really is something that I think he it has impacted him. He didn't address this issue, nor any of his colleagues at the Democrat National Convention. This issue of law and order, this issue of safety in our communities and on our streets. We can't allow for these left wing mobs, these agitators who are aligned with the Democrat Party, to be going into our cities and burning them down and destroying the small business properties that are there. And so I think that the president's message of law and order, president's message of saying, look, I'm here to help and provide federal assistance to Democrat controlled cities. While you have mayors like Ted Wheeler in Portland saying, I'm not taking your help. I think it's finally resonating with the American people and saying, I need a tough guy. I need someone who's going to be a fighter. I need someone who's going to protect my communities. And because we don't need the Democrat run, these, cities, these policies, these leaders being the ones leading America, which is, of course, under the leadership of Joe Biden.
3: I want you to hear what Byron York said about the president's trip yesterday uh, to Wisconsin. Cut 16.
4: That was a key moment in that interview last night. First of all, in the big picture... As a president, I think it was a good idea for the president to go to Kenosha today. Yes, Jacob Blake and his family have suffered greatly, but there are other people who have suffered uh, in Kenosha, and you could see that as the president was walking around ruins. Um, but the, but the other thing is he could have addressed the uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse situation more directly, and the way to do it was exactly what you just played. What Laura Ingram asked him: Do you want your supporters to confront the protesters, or leave it to law enforcement? The president was very clear, and he should say it more often: Leave it to law enforcement.
3: Do you think the president should say it more often?
14: Well, I mean, I think the president will continue to say it more often. I think uh, he's. It's funny how some in the media, you know. They've spliced his words in a lot of ways, but it's something that the president has talked about, the need for more resources for our law enforcement, making sure that law enforcement can do their jobs. In many of these Democrat-run cities, their hands are tied behind their backs. They're not able to respond accordingly. We saw this in Seattle when they had, you know, CHAZ or CHOP, the name of their— so-called autonomous zone where you had, you know, a young black man murdered, and we they could the police could not get to him, and the paramedics could not get to him, and so I think that definitely the president has been sending a strong message, and as we've seen time and time again, with these police associations backing up the president, endorsing the president, even associations that endorse Joe Biden. And Obama back in 2008 and 2012 are saying, no, thank you. We're going to go with President Trump. He's got our backs. He knows that we need to be there to do our jobs. I mean, you're watching it on TV, Brian. What's ha- what happened in Kenosha, What happened, what's happening in Portland with these shootings and this chaos, that is unacceptable. And it's why when he did send the National Guard, we saw Kenosha get back in order despite the destruction. We're still seeing the destruction happen in Portland because these Democrat Politicians refuse to accept federal help.
3: So the the coronavirus will probably be the number one issue, along with the economy, but they're linked. And right now, some good numbers: uh, U.S. day seven-day rolling average of new cases has fallen about forty percent since its peak, July twenty-fifth. Hospitalizations are down sixty-two percent in Texas, sixty percent in Florida, forty-eight percent in Utah, forty-five percent in California, and forty-four percent in Louisiana. But listen to what Van Jones says is the Achilles' heel for the president. Cut to
12: the chink in Trump's armor that has not been exploited is the need for tests for all. It is possible to have a national uh, program for testing for everybody on a regular basis. And that would let you open the economy and the schools up safely. Donald Trump doesn't like the test. Let's Let's mourn the people who are suffering. Let's focus on the businesses that have been destroyed by his mishandling of the economy. And let's also have a real solution, tests for all, which would open
3: things up. Is that a chink in the president's armor that uh, there aren't tests for everyone?
14: Well, sadly, I think that uh, Van Jones should probably read the statistics that we've had over 84 million tests that have been completed while now averaging about 800,000 tests per day. Does everybody need a test? I don't know if you're healthy. I don't think you need a test. I think we need to prioritize for our, our elderly. I think we need to prioritize for our vulnerable population. That should be our key for our health care workers on the front lines. That's where we need to focus on. I think by just having people test for the sake of testing is not the best approach. We need to prioritize with the resources we've had. We're obviously the world leader in testing and will continue to do so. But this is because the president understands that like, he just has common sense when it comes dealing with these uh, crises. And as as you were mentioning, we're already seeing a 38 percent decline in the seven day average of these new cases. And we know that we can't shut down again. I mean, I was listening the other day when they were talking about that you can't even go inside to dine in these New York restaurants, even at 20 percent capacity or 50 percent capacity. I mean, it just talks in New York. You can't can't go in at all
3: in New York City. You You can't can't go in at all. You
14: can't. So, Brian, it's like these small businesses, these people who have spent their lives building their small businesses, and there is a way to dine inside safely, um, you know, and the fact is, is that you have the mayor of, you know, Mayor de Blasio, who is literally become king. He's making these decisions with no sense of, quote unquote, science, but yet in New Jersey, you can go and eat inside. And so if there, if there is no, what I find is that there's just... No common sense. And there's no way to do de- that. And it's really impacting um, these small businesses.
3: You know, the thing is, uh, Governor Cuomo's getting a pass because he's he's so inept as a mayor. But to stop these this entire city from eating indoors, 25,000 eateries. I mean, do you believe that's politically motivated? Do you think this is more about November 3rd or do you think this is more about September 3rd?
14: You know, I – with de Blasio, you just never know. I think that it's very telling that the it's the Democrats and it's even Joe Biden who has said that we need to shut down this economy. And America cannot afford to shut down this economy. America cannot – they want to keep blaming Donald Trump for the coronavirus, which is – you know, ridiculous, especially when we're dealing with a global pandemic of the size that we're dealing with, the complexity of it, which the president has taken very bold actions in ensuring that we're working on a vaccine develop, develop you know, development, that we're seeing these clinical trials being completed uh, through Operation Warp Speed. So he's taken the right steps to ensure that we're getting the vaccine done, getting these therapeutics needed and p- deploying medical help. Equipment to the where right. we need it in these hot spots, but you cannot keep shutting down the government. We cannot keep living, li- living in this fear uh, that the Democrats are imposing on us. And it just shows not only how important a national election is, but how important your local elections are because they decide the future of your family, of your t- children, of your work. And uh, it, 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 I'm telling you, it's just leading to huge stress, mental health issues for Americans across the country.
3: So the president's gotten blamed for something very interesting. Uh, Sports, cut seven.
11: And now, to honor America, please join in the singing of our national anthem.
3: So what they did is show a series of empty stadiums and are blaming the president for the lack of sports. I find that an interesting an interesting approach because I don't think anybody thinks the presidents to blame for sports not starting. Who are they targeting and what what worries you if anything about this ad?
14: Well, I think there's not only that ad but the ad they the ad they played as well, which is the you know, sadly, the woman who lost her father to coronavirus. And they're basically saying, trying to sell a simple message that we got to blame President Trump for coronavirus. But I will tell you, even talking to some of my more moderate Democrats, the few that are left, you know, they're like, this doesn't work. You can't blame a global pandemic on the president of the United States. It has to be on his response. And what we know with his response is that it's been effective. He has been able to provide the resources needed to uh, to ensure that these states have what they need and and you know as the federal government role is there to provide support to these states when it comes to college football, I mean these were decisions that were made you know amongst the universities and amongst their leagues that that's the direction they're going to go in uh, so for them to say it's the president's fault in college mm-hmm. football I just think it's such a far stretch for the Democrat party and I just think that it's a losing message I think, that the fact is is that they don't talk about what their response would be for coronavirus. What is the Biden response? Shut down the economy. Keep our schools shut down. Create fear in America. And that's not who we are as a people. We rise up. We work hard. We get our kids back to school. We do it in a safe and responsible way. And that's what parents want. That's what – you know, uh, workers want and they want to start their lives again, knowing that we have to be safe and, and protect our vulnerable population.
3: Well, since big rallies are off the table, but rallies aren't, what is the approach with 60 plus days left and about 20 days into the first debate? Will you have a series of events? I could, e- I wouldn't even ask that question if there wasn't a pandemic. I would watch as you appeared in battleground state after battleground state. But being that it doesn't, it's not possible to get 25,000 people together or even 10, how are you going to approach this?
14: Well, we've been doing this uh, way before even Joe Biden even left his basement. I'm actually right now, and you know this, Brian, I've got five kids. Matt's managing the household. I'm here in Flagstaff, Arizona. We're, la- we're kicking off our Women for Trump bus tour in Arizona. Uh, we're going to have Senator Martha McSally, uh, Kelly Ward, and several others. And we literally go field office by field office, talking to our volunteers, talking to our grassroots, telling them, um, you know, not only the great work that they're doing, but what we need to do to win Arizona and keep Arizona mm-hmm. red. And so that's uh, the focus is not just the bus tour we're doing here. It's obviously the president traveling. The vice president was in Pennsylvania uh, meeting with manufacturers yesterday. We really are spreading our campaign to these targeted states in a way that we're mm-hmm. mobilizing, getting out the vote. You know, we, not, we know early voting starts in North Carolina, so we'll be spending time there as well. It, it, we, it's, it's, we're an army, and we're out to ensure that we look everywhere to find our votes. I'll be visiting a Latino Uh, for Trump Community Center that we opened in Phoenix, Arizona, meeting with Latinos who support the president to also strategize on what else we can do to bring more Latinos on board. And so I think, you know, I really think that it's because we are moving into all these different states, making sure we have a physical presence there and taking the message directly to these to the American people that I think you know it will take us over the finish line. Joe Biden is in Delaware for crying out loud to go criticize the president on on the on the school situation, which is not even the president's fault. The president saying reopen these schools, get these kids back to school, while you have these Democrat governors, these Democrat mayors basically making it very difficult for parents to get right. back to work and for the kids to go back to school all
3: right Mercedes thanks so much uh, the last my last thing to you is there seems to be a lack of spending in Michigan why
14: well I think you know I, I think you're gonna see definitely spending in Michigan we have Across in these targeted states, you know what we're seeing, for example, is a lot of investment in Minnesota. We're seeing those poll numbers get real tight in there. Um, One of the last public polls I saw is that Biden and Trump were tied. So, you know, we are going to defend Michigan. We have resources in Michigan. We have a lot of our field offices there as well. They're working hard, day in and day night, to win Michigan. So we're not. In any way, giving up on Michigan, um, we're going to work hard to defend Michigan. But, at the, you know, at the same time, obviously, it's the allocation of resources into all mm. these different states. We have ads going up today in Wisconsin, <clears throat> in Minnesota. And it's basically Joe Biden kneeling to a left wing mob. And it's, it's a, such a strong message. And as you know, we got six Democrat mayors in Minnesota to endorse the president. I mean, that is significant. It sends a strong message that this is not just winning over the Republican vote, which, of course, we have such a strong presence there. But right. it's getting these Democrats and it's getting these um, independents and Democrats to support the president.
3: Mercedes Schlapp, thanks so much. Have a great weekend.
14: Thank you so much.
3: You got it. one Back with your calls. And then we welcome in Andrew McCarthy, Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
11: I'm Ben Dominic, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Dominic Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I think that's what we gotta keep doing is bringing awareness to the situation and getting the right people on our side. Black people have been protesting for a hundred years, and they should say nothing's changed. It's better than what it was. But not
3: where it needs to be. Uh, race relations in America today. Greg listening in Portland. Hey Greg.
11: I'll let you know that the Portland mayor has um, decided to move because it's gotten so bad in his neighborhood.
3: Well, they're gonna hunt him down wherever he goes. What's his problem?
10: He doesn't want to stop the violence. This town is
11: destroyed.
3: You know, Greg, they don't deserve you to be there. You should get out. I mean they, they are an absolute mess. These people get put in office by the residents and they don't know what they're doing and they just want to blame Trump. It's sickening.
2: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. We were picking
15: up information that that uh, these violent instigators were coming to Kenosha. They were coming from California, Washington State, a lot from Chicago, and they were coming up to Kenosha. So we expected matters to get worse. Uh, The violence that erupted uh, shortly after the shooting is simply uh, not a legitimate response to a police shooting. And the looting and the arson were unacceptable. And as it progressed, it became more and more distant from the issue of racial justice. It was violence for violence's sake. And once again, we saw the hijacking uh, of a protest by a hardcore group of of radicals uh, who were carrying out, planning, a coordinated violent attack on law enforcement, on public property, and on private property. And that can't be tolerated.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's bring in Andy McCarthy now. We're talking about Antifa, unwinding this terror organization, and I just can't believe, Andy. Uh, you know, Andy McCarthy, Fox News contributor, former Assistant U.S. Attorney for Southern District of New York, author of Ball of Collusion. And he just educate me. We ha- we were able to get inside Antifa years ago. Hezbollah. We talked about finding it the forensically. Wh- who's funding Al Qaeda? Why are we having such a hard time with Antifa? Wow, we just dropped off. What a shame. But that was uh, Attorney General Barr who traveled with the president yesterday to Wisconsin, Kenosha, even though the mayor and governor didn't want him to, just to say, hey, we understand that these people aren't upset about uh, uh, racial disparity in America. They want to destroy America. And in this, tapes, it's, in this time, it's Kenosha. They fly from Portland. They leave Seattle. They go over to New York. They go back to Chicago. Now we understand there's unrest in Oakland. On top of that, Raleigh, North Carolina. And these are groups that are organized. A lot of times, you see bricks dropped off, bats dropped off, rocks dropped off in an organized fashion. Sometimes you see them with radios in their ears. And I'm saying to myself... If we could find a way to unmask the fund, the funding of Al Qaeda and ISIS and Hezbollah and Hamas, and we found out a lot of it was coming from Americans, a lot of it people were, uh, un, you know, unknowingly funding these organizations. And Andy, we got you back now. Uh, Andy, I'm just wondering, why are we having such a hard time on unmasking who's funding Antifa?
7: I get the sense, Brian, that it may be uh, that it's a more diffuse um, organization and maybe more diffuse funding channels. And and we shouldn't forget that, you know, you're quite right to talk about uh, Hezbollah and some of the other groups that we're able to um, track funding on. But let's remember that a lot of that took a long time. You know, it was not uh, it's not easily done. And a lot of. um, a lot of what we got in the way of intel about those jihadist groups was in connection with the way communication systems worked back circa, you know, mid 1990s and after 9/11 whereas it's much it's a lot harder in a lot of ways today because the um the communications are scrambled in a way that they weren't before, you know, encryption technology makes things a lot harder and uh, banking channels are not, you know, they can be fuzzier too. So um, I, i'm not I, I'm not trying to make excuses for it. i'm just I'm just trying to explain that uh, the challenges of doing this kind of an investigation are not the same today as they were uh, twenty years ago. I think but, they're tougher. And I think this particular organization may not be as organized, so
3: I mean, for example, you have an antifa commander. I can't believe they're actually using this uh, was caught. Uh, and was crying in, in, uh, in Portland, excuse me, in Green Bay. Uh, according to WBAY, this guy Matthew Banta, 23 years old, charged with obstructing an officer in two counts of felony bail jumping. Uh, they also reported that he had a flamethrower with him. So And he gets caught and he's crying. So these guys aren't hardened criminals like a, a right. Bin Laden sycophant training in the middle of a desert so can't you unwind who who recruited them, who funded them? And even if you can't get the persons or persons in charge, begin to pressure them?
7: Well, I you can, and the thing is, Brian, people can only tell you what they know, right? Um and I don't mean to be trite about that. What I'm what I'm trying to say is if you let's let's assume for argument's sake that there's something more organized and uh, An intellectually adept behind this than some of the idiots that we've seen get locked up and, you know, like the guy you just uh, described. Um, if you were running something like this, you would try to make sure that, you know, you use people like that for what you could use them for, which is to make mayhem, but you would compartmentalize what they knew so that they wouldn't be able, if they got caught, you, they wouldn't be able to go too far up the... Um, up the chain and the challenge with something like this is if there is something that's more organized and adept behind it you have to crack that you're not going to be able to get that just from these morons who are on the street um making mayhem but you're exactly right you have to you have to lock these guys up you have to charge them and you have to squeeze them for information and that's how you build your information base and how you build cases. And it's a process, but you have to do it. There's no shortcut.
3: Because the generation who aren't hardened criminals, and I think there's a major difference between a bin Laden, um, a bin Laden al Qaeda member, affiliated member and somebody who comes from middle America who's jobless and directionless and feels as though America is a bad place. You can, I imagine you can crack them a lot easier. And listen to what Ken Cuccinelli says we've, they've discovered as they start unwinding who's fomenting this unrest in Seattle, Portland, and Kenosha. Cut 11.
15: In Portland... Well, over 90% of the arrests are of people who live in that area. Very high percentage. You just heard the Attorney General talk about the fact that over half of the arrests in Kenosha are not from Kenosha. And in fact, Many of those, most of those are from other states. And so, yes, if you're crossing state lines, if you're communicating across state lines Mm -hmm. um, for the purpose of setting up rioting, that does invoke federal jurisdiction. And the Department of Justice has advanced over 200 officers to Kenosha. We have some from DHS there. But um, that's, that's a major factor in expanding federal opportunities for investigation.
3: I mean, are they going to report to Los Angeles next? Evidently, there was a guy on a bike that evaded arrest again. They shot him multiple times, and now there's going to be some tumult in Los Angeles. Couldn't you begin to see the pattern and try to get ahead of that, uh, Andy McCarthy? Uh,
7: yeah, I think not only that, Brian, but what uh, that spokesman was just referring to... Ken Cuccinelli. Feder- Ken. Uh, uh, what he was talking about was... Um, What's known in federal law is the Travel Act. Uh, It's Section 1952 of the Federal Criminal Code. And the reason I remember it even all these years after being a prosecutor is it's a staple of racketeering cases. It's it's something that's charged all the time, both because it's a crime in and of itself to travel in Mm -hmm. interstate commerce to promote racketeering activity uh, but also because it helps you prove how that an enterprise exists and, and how to uh, knit something that may seem to be diffuse and, and loosely connected into something that you can prosecute as an enterprise.
3: So I've got to bring it you to your column uh, with the latest on Michael Flynn, the lieutenant general who twice uh, pled guilty to a plea deal and then realized he had nothing to plead for. The attorney general said there's no substance here. Let's toss it out. Judge Sullivan, who initially... Uh, was not buying the fact that he was reversing his plea. They go to an appeals court above his head, and the appeals court originally in a three-person ruling says, okay, kick it out. Then they say the Judge Sullivan says, no, I want it to the whole appeals court, and they kick it back to Judge Sullivan. What does this mean for Michael Flynn?
7: Well, right now, Brian, it looks like uh, Judge Sullivan is bent on trying to drag this out, I assume, beyond the election. Um You know, the unfortunate thing about the the fact that they sent it back to him is that they sent it back to him. I understand that they didn't want to um, uh, crack down on him when, as they point out, he hasn't ruled yet. He hasn't had a hearing yet. Um, So it was pretty extraordinary to ask for intervention by the Court of Appeals at this stage. But at the same time, you would have hoped that the Court of Appeals in sending it back to him would tell him, uh, you know, you need to do this like now. Um, and you know you need to have a hearing that's not a circus, and you need to decide this motion. And unfortunately, you know they they sent a lot of subtle signals that you know they would like to see him get on with it, and they don't want it to be turned into a circus. But they didn't order him to do anything, so he's still in charge of his own proceedings. I, I think it's pretty obvious the Justice Department is not going to seek a mandamus. Flynn is not going to do it again because he t- probably figures what's the difference. And a judge has a lot of control over his, over the timing of proceedings before him. So what he's now saying is, you know, in three weeks we'll have a, uh, a scheduling order where you can give me a status report, and then we'll schedule oral argument, we'll want to hear from all of the different amicus briefs that I've invited, and, you know, then maybe we'll have oral argument, and who knows when that will happen, and then, uh, you know, we'll decide at that point whether we need to have any more Proceedings, you know, he's dragging it out. And I think what's going on here is um, he doesn't think that Flynn's case should be dismissed. Uh, And he can't really do anything about that ultimately. Um, But if he drags it out long enough and Biden wins the election, then Trump knows that he's got to pardon Flynn because if it gets dragged out beyond that, then You'd have to worry that a Biden Justice Department Mm -hmm. would do a 180 on the Trump Justice Department's motion to dismiss the case. So I think what he wants to do is try to force Trump to pardon Flynn, if that's— And just, you know, continue
3: the agony. So I want you to hear from John Levine. He interviewed a whistleblower who claims—and Levine was sold on this New York Post reporter—to have been fraudulently working elections and manipulating ballots— for multiple times in multiple states with multiple people. Listen,
7: your your voter is mailed the ballot, and then once the ballots go out, they just fan out and they knock on doors and they and they convince people to hand over completed ballots. Which you might be thinking, well, that's crazy, but he laughs. He's like, well, you know, that's easier than you think. And they they say, oh, hello, I'm a you
15: know district leader. I'm with the county, this or that. You know, I'm here to mail your ballot. And uh, he says a shocking
7: number of people will just hand them hand over completed ballots.
3: They open it up. They take out the ballot and they put the fraudulent ballot in. They steam it open. They say they have multiple operations, multiple ways to do it, the way they infiltrate nursing homes on down. Uh, and I'm just wondering, and I am uh, I put this, this, this create, it's created so much interest and created so much worry. What do you think about these claims? And do people have to worry about past outcomes and future outcomes?
7: I'm very worried about it because I think, You know, the argument that's being made, Brian, is that there's uh, statistically very little incident of incidents of fraud, even though we have a lot of um, voting by absentee ballot in our history. And it seems to me that um, we've never had an election like this before, where you're going to actually have tens of millions of mail-in ballots. And even if you only had a small statistical incidence of fraud – That could be the difference in the election if you projected over tens of millions of ballots. And the other thing I always found very frustrating about this as a federal prosecutor is we don't have one national election. We have 50 state elections. So when you get down to brass tacks, um, this is much more of a state law issue than it is a federal issue. And even if you thought you had like a a silver bullet solution to to defeat fraud – you wouldn't necessarily be able to impose it because, again, we have 50 state elections, not one.
3: Unbelievable. And that's why people are saying you might have one winner on Election Day. And by the time you get to all the mail-in ballots, you could have a different election, which is a yeah. recipe for dividing the country. Andy McCarthy, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Well, you're next. one 408 7669
2: It's Brian Kilmeade.
11: Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to Stephen in New York. Hey, Stephen.
10: Yeah, hi, Brian. You know, I just want to say, you know, Michael Flynn, you know, he he had one time was – the Director of National Intelligence for the United States of America. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he engaged Lavrov. And he knew it was wrong, and he knew it was against the Not law. Not really. And he lied about it. Did you listen to the tape, Steve? He's a traitor. Did you, know, you listen when to the, I Did you up, read the transcript? Yeah, he's a, traitor, a he tra- traitor. What did he give up? He, what did he give up? He's the treasonous what one, you, my friend. In what way?
3: Okay. No, it's, I, I don't get it. He, this is happens it, every single time. The Incoming and outgoing administrations, you let them know where you stand. It uh-huh. happened with Israel. Right. He was interacting right. with all these other countries, including Turkey.
10: There's right. nothing that's wrong with rationalization. It. You know, that's like trying to explain it away. That's the problem. Not really. Did you read he the transcript? Oh, really, what, exactly tra- the, Stephen, what, exactly, what exactly did you have a problem
3: with Flynn doing?
10: He lied. what Stephen,
3: what exactly did you have a problem with Flynn talking, he was in. I think Puerto Rico. Oh, you mean that he was getting well? You from know, if you do this, we're gonna... and he you took know,
10: it. We, you know, I read the Mueller report, and this is what so I have did to I. say. Okay, this is what I have to say about and? all these ties to Russians. Bartman. Yep. you know, when I read it, I, I, it was a cross between. I can't believe they did it to. I can't believe they're getting away with it. to so I, I, saying, I would have never done any of these things.
2: Yeah.
3: I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well,
10: you don't know. Well, you know what? I read the whole thing. Big guy. That's, I was raised. I guess I was raised differently. You know, it's like when you go to the you go to the Trump for a, an interview. Are you honest? Yes. Do you tell the truth? Yes. You're, you know, we can't work here. All right. That's what. It, that's. what I don't get what, what, what,
3: what did you just say? What did you just say? What did, what did, what you did say? I
10: just say? You heard what I just said. It didn't make I any sense. When you go to the Trump administration for a job interview, the questions are: Are you honest? If you answer yes, will you tell the truth? If is the answer yes, you will not be hired because they do not want that. Well, I, you know, yeah, in your, and your mind, Stephen, I, I don't.
3: I don't feel that way when you okay, talk to the people that there. Well, I know, talk, I know a lot of people that work there. They are as honest. Right. as... As I, you know
10: what? Good, good, good for you. I, I mean, you, you're you going to try to convince me that that man isn't a pathological liar on top of everything else. Let him pardon Michael Flynn.
3: I hope traitor. he does. I hope he does. Okay. Uh, he's done more for this country in 33 years serving and beyond than 99.9% of the people listening. And I imagine including you, Steve, but I value your input on the show. Thanks for listening. David, listening online in New Jersey, in Jersey City, New Jersey. David.
10: Yeah. Hi, Brian. Great show. I totally agree. I totally agree with you as far as not being able to figure out who's funding Antifa. I was out in Santa Monica last month. Friends told me trucks were delivering skid loads of bricks. You mean to tell me the cops can't figure out? I can't get it. I don't get it. And And the cops can't figure out they can't go to brick distributors or brick companies and find out who ordered tons of— they would deliver them every three blocks, systematically dropping them off on corners. I could go out there and figure out who rented those trucks.
3: And, David, put it this way. Some 24-year-old— some 24-year-old yeah. suburban kid is directionless, feels as though this country is built on a lie, and wants to infiltrate it and turn it over and turn it over to these globalists, whatever they want to do. They're not hardened criminals that are going to be impossible to crack. You find out and who paid have, you, where would you get it from, what bank did the, yeah. is the check written on. These are experts. They're you, better than you, you and have, I.
10: You have to use a credit card to rent the truck. Of find out whose credit card it was find out the address to me that's something you can figure out in
16: an afternoon
3: Rider truck remember the 93 bombing they found the rider yeah. truck they find out who rented it they went back they got these guys in a couple of days please something's weird I can't figure it out I can't pretend to figure it out but I know they could figure it out this is the Brian Kilmeade Show hey go to briankilmeade.com order Sam Euston, the Alamo Avengers I'm signing those books today
11: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
1: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
2: Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks
3: so much for listening, everyone, to the latest minutes of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Chris Starwell going to be on in fifteen minutes, and then we're going to do a simulcast on Fox News Channel on America's Newsroom with uh, with uh, Sandra Smith, and that'll be great. Uh, so she's going to and Trace Gallagher are doing their show, America's Newsroom, the runaway hit that follows Fox and Friends, one of my favorite morning shows ever. Uh, so we'll talk about that and talk about everything else happening in this world, including one of the most intriguing races ever in the middle of a pandemic. You've got Joe Biden every every looking every day of his 77 years against 74-year-old uh, Donald Trump. And we have two guys who are going to sprint to November 3rd. One is sprinting by going around the country, and the other is sprinting by going to different places in Delaware. Uh, and that is the two things that are happening. Today, Joe Biden will be speaking about... Back to school and how it's Donald Trump's fault every kid can't go back to school. Not buying it, and Donald Trump will be in North Carolina talking about what's going to take to uh, turn keep keep that state red. It's going to be harder and harder, especially with a, a Democratic governor. So let's get to the big
2: three now with the stories you need to know it's brian's big three
4: number three in security footage obtained by fox news an 80 year old part-time napa resident called nancy pelosi can be seen slinking through a san francisco hair salon she has wet hair she is not wearing a mask but she was indoors she was almost alone because due to coronavirus regulations salons in san francisco are closed for indoor services
3: Uh, That was Tucker Carlson talking about the double standard of the worst kind. With salons in shutdown uh, and all these salons are dying weeks weeks go by over on the West Coast. They can't open up. Yesterday they were allowed to open up for the first time outside. It turns out she's on the inside walking around in a salon without a mask. Doing what she does best, and that is take advantage of being speaker. Tell everyone they can't use oil and gas, but at the same time, hop in a jet and go across country whenever she wants for free. And also this week, the Philadelphia mayor was caught dining inside uh, Maryland while you can't dine inside in Philadelphia, and he's doing it without a mask. Why the same thing with the mayor of Chicago? What is good for them? is good for them and we just have to be denied more and more opportunities to live a normal life that is not going to fly with me that to me is over the top number two
1: we are investigated coordinated criminal activity related to riots destruction of federal property assault of federal law enforcement officers we obviously don't prosecute ideology or groups but we certainly prosecute and certainly investigate criminal activity
3: uh, that is Kerry Kupec, spokesperson for the Department of Justice. Riots and who is behind them? A.G. Barr reveals an investigation well underway into who or what is behind the urban unrest. Who is behind morphing protest into riots, which too often cause death and always destruction? Antifa is the problem. William Barr, time is a-wasting. Number
6: one. By the way, thanks for agreeing to do this. You know, we got a lot going on. You've made a lot of tough decisions in your life. I hope agreeing to be the vice presidential candidate wasn't one of the toughest ones.
0: It wasn't tough at all. Not at all. I'm just so looking forward to what we're going to be able to do.
3: Who says Joe Biden doesn't sit down for interviews? He sat down with an interview with his running mate. What could be tougher than that? Maybe his son, Hunter, will sit down and talk to him about tough decisions your dad makes. 67 days until election, and both sides are starting to look at their backstretch game plan and the focus. Plus, why J.P. Morgan Chase is telling its investors to brace yourself for a Trump re-election. What are they seeing? First off, what we're seeing in New York is people are fleeing New York and New Jersey at a staggering rate, and they're not just moving next door, they're moving to Florida and they're moving to Texas. That's pretty stunning and also noteworthy. Uh, true. Also, this was surprising to me. Nearly half of New Yorkers think the city is on the wrong track. To me, I thought it was two-thirds, if not nine-tenths. This city is a mess. I walk down 48th to 34th on a regular basis. Nobody's working. Nobody's working. Uh, But the mentally ill are no longer being cared for. Put it that way. So let's talk about Joe Biden. People are saying, Joe Biden, what is your game plan? Your game plan is to say things about Donald Trump. You think you have a lot to work with, you wouldn't have to make it up. They're actually blaming Trump in an ad for the fact that sports doesn't have fans because of the pandemic. Cut seven.
11: And now to honor America, please join in the singing of our national anthem.
3: The ad goes on to show nonstop empty stadiums. Really? If anything, Donald Trump was leaning towards not shutting the country down and wanted to open up quicker. He's dying to get sports on track, the NFL back with fans, baseball and company. He pushed the UFC to act, and Dana White did. They were the first sport legitimately back. But it just makes no sense. Out of all the things you can go after Donald Trump on, is it necessary to make it up? I didn't think so. Uh, But uh, evidently it is. So Donald Trump talked about that as well. He was also in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, yesterday. Even though there were protesters, you had to see the size of these crowds. They were huge. Joe Biden said, I was going to go, but now I'm not going to go. Should he have met with the family? Well, the family wanted to have a lawyer in Donald Trump, so he decided not to and just meet with law enforcement and meet with homeowners. And what he did is not only just not homeowners, but business owners, not only did he meet with them, he gave a million dollars towards small business, a million dollars towards law enforcement and four million towards rebuilding these small businesses in Wisconsin. Extremely important. You look at the size of those crowds, Wisconsin is very much in play. What I also enjoyed doing is hearing Reince Priebus push back. Reince Priebus hopping on CBS to talk about, you know, all the presidents. Should he have gone there? Should he have met with this one or that one? Listen to Reince Priebus push back. He knows Kenosha. Cut 18.
9: I'm from Kenosha. Spent my entire life uh, in Kenosha. My parents live in Kenosha. Um, I think yesterday was really, for Kenosha itself, more of a thank you for freeing and saving the city of Kenosha. And I can tell you, it's not spin. People were very afraid in Kenosha, businesses were burned down, people were locking their doors in their houses, putting kids in basements, getting their hunting rifles out because they were scared for their life. And I think that while many of the things you're saying are important, and I'm happy to get to those, I THINK YOU'RE MISSING IN YOUR INTRO, uh, THE 7 O'CLOCK HOUR, YOUR INTRO HERE, YOU ARE MISSING AND DISMISSING THE FEAR THAT PEOPLE HAVE IN THIS COUNTRY FOR WILD VIOLENCE PUT ON BY PEOPLE WHO ARE COMING OUT OF TOWN, DESTROYING CITIES AND BUSINESSES, AND IT NEEDS TO BE ADDRESSED.
3: THANK GOODNESS HE SAID THAT. YOU NOTICE HE DIDN'T BRING UP RACIAL UNREST BECAUSE IT'S NOT EVEN THE ISSUE. An African-American got shot by a police officer, but we're not talking about that because you burned down an entire city and most of those people were from outside the borders. I can't believe people don't see that. I can't believe more people aren't outraged. Black, white, Hispanic, whatever, male, female, that should be it. There's an issue, and then there's somebody coming from the outside who just wants to destroy. So we'll see where we're at with this this whole election and the fact that law and order is playing such a big role is why Joe Biden is talking about it. But I have no sympathy for Joe Biden. It doesn't matter if I believe him or not. I will say this. He says, I don't want to defund the police. Okay, Fine. But when they defunded the police in Minneapolis, when they voted to fund the police by $350 million in Los Angeles, when they decided to do the same thing in Seattle so bad that the police chief resigned, when they took a billion dollars out of the budget in New York, where was the presser or the, or the speech where Joe Biden expressed his outrage, anger, or disenchantment that it was happening? It didn't happen because it's unpopular with people that he claims will vote for him. African-Americans, young people in particular, who, believe it or not, sadly, wanted to fund the police. So you say you don't want to do it, but are you stopping it? The president of the United States has been going out of his way to stop it and condemn it. So nobody doubts where he stands to the point where people are outraged by where he stands uh, more often than not. So here's Joe Biden saying just that. Cut four. Let's get the facts straight, number one. I not only
6: don't want to defund police, I want to add $300 billion to their million dollars to their budget, local budgets, to deal with community policing, and get police and communities back together again.
3: Yeah, that'll work. But what did he say before? Cut three.
6: Uh, surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point
11: is that Do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding.
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, we can redirect on the funding, just like uh, when he gets a question and I have it on, on my Twitter account. If anyone's following me, Joe Biden was asked about fossil fuels, which fracking produce fossil fuels, natural gas, oil and gas. He walks over to the woman and he says, look at me, look me in the eye. I am going to move to move past fossil fuels. Okay? When he says I'm going to ban fracking to Dana Bash at a CNN debate, am I to believe him saying when he doesn't ban fracking? Am I to believe when he says he's not going to defund the police or when he says he is going to defund the police? He's doing what it takes to get the nomination. Now he thinks he's doing what it takes to get elected. But we're going to be saddled with this person if he gets this job November 3rd. I'm going to take a timeout and come back. With uh, Chris Dyerwald. We'll talk about all that, as well as Nancy Pelosi's hypocrisy as she goes and gets her hair done in a salon that are dying on the vine on the West Coast because they feel it's too dangerous to do exactly what Nancy Pelosi is doing. Sickening.
2: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be
11: right back. The- Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
15: These are the, the same people, many of them who came from out of town. Out of 175 arrests, 100 were from out of town. And some, uh, these are the same people, using the same tactics that have been used in various cities, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Chicago, now Kenosha, Portland. And uh, they use these black-block tactics, throwing projectiles at police, uh, and literally trying to inflict injuries on police, arson, uh, and rioting. They came equipped, as even the mayor of Washington acknowledged, they come equipped to fight. And... uh, it's completely unacceptable.
3: Uh, that is uh, A.G. Barr. I just don't understand why it's taken so long to unwind it. I'm just glad the investigation is taking place. But, guys, get to the bottom of this, please, because it has nothing to do with racial unrest. We don't get to the bottom of any issue as long as there's, there's insurgents looking to destroy country, destroy the country and starting in the cities. Adam was on WABC in Queens, New York. Adam.
5: Brian the pleasure i didn't get my black betty ram jam intro music but that's okay we'll work on that for next time okay just call to say uh like john paul jones i have not yet begun to fight that's what the president and attorney general are doing because when you look at the historical context cops like chauvin who's coming up on 9-11 right that's where the the next hearing is there's two other cops Tao, and uh the other name escapes me low or uh, i have it wrong but point is they're moving to dismiss the charges against themselves as accessory to murder because of the overreach of the state attorney general in charging a cop, one of which had three tours of duty. So when we Look at the context. You look at the second president of the United States, John Adams, who defended soldiers in the Boston Massacre in 1770, six years before the declaration, right? Because we're built on law and order. And you're innocent in this country, thank God, until proven guilty, except if you're Michael Flynn. Because in that case, in that case, Brian, alone, like that just unbelievable liberal lunatic that called you before has no idea the context of exactly he lied to the fbi about what about uh, oh my i just get worked up you're doing a great job hold that bullhorn and let the voices be heard we need trump's a church like this where we can come together and say hey wait a second this guy is saving this country one day at a time and he's fighting on every cylinder and he needs our voices to support him we love you mr president keep it up
3: all right, Adam, thanks so much. And by the way, maybe Queens could get some indoor dining soon. I talked to uh, one restaurant owner who's re- organized 300 other restaurant owners with a class action suit to be able to do this horrible thing for middle and upper class people only called indoor dining. But it's only for the rich. Everybody knows that. A guy who is so rich, I've seen him dine indoors as well, Chris Starwalt. Chris, you heard the, the mayor say that, right?
17: What did he, that, that indoor dining is just for the wealthy?
3: And the middle class middle class and wealthy, he's not in a big rush to open it up.
17: Literally. Well, I guess, I mean, you know, equal protection under the law, shme- shmeek will protection under the law. That's what I say.
3: It's uh, unbelievable. And then you see Nancy Pelosi getting her hair cut. while all these salons are going out of business. She's indoors without a mask getting her hairstyle. I mean, this is... Well... Uh, don't tell it, me you you know, you're cynical enough to expect that.
17: No, no. What... The the funny thing about the the old hypocrisy business is... The reason why you don't attack the other party's president for playing golf is that your guy's going to want to play golf, too. And the reason why you don't scream at the top of your lungs about Ted Cruz taking off his mask on an airplane to drink his coffee is that you're going to need to get your hair done eventually. And the 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 can versus should questions in American politics, obviously – People are going to do stuff and they're going to make mistakes. And they're going to be all these things. That's why you have to be more circumspect. Why Nancy Pelosi had to be more circumspect about her attacks on people who are not wearing masks all the time, because eventually she might be on the other side of it. People don't think this stuff through. They don't think through how the attack that you make today will make you look like a blithering idiot tomorrow.
3: But we do know this. If uh, if I get on my train without a mask on, they're going to walk up to me and they're going to say, you got to put your mask on. Or right. if I have my staff uh, reserve me a car to, so I can not wear a mask in my own car, I'm going right. out of my way to circumvent my own rules.
17: Right. Your staff has that kind of stro- Allison has that kind of stroke. Can oh, yeah. a whole car? She gave me 12 cars
3: the other day. I just call ahead of time on the railroad.
17: <laughs> and that way you can just do your workout running in through the cars. That's that, good. I like yeah, it.
3: Weaving, like Babe Ruth. In the in the yeah. uh, in the 1930s, remember?
17: It's, it, yes, exactly. That's when we were there. We covered the bambino together. Right. Um, look, I, the I'm not worried about whether or not she had her mask up or whether she had her mask down. I'm not worried about whether or not what what the rules were. The 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 problem that's evident here is the hypocrisy. Yes. The rank pungent hypocrisy of Nancy Pelosi, who freaked out about Republicans not wearing masks. And obviously, they, she was right, right? The Republicans' attitude about mask wearing in the Capitol was proven to be foolish. But she was dunking on them, dunking, oh, we're dunking on them, and they don't care, and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you didn't have your mask on here as you're walking through this uh, salon. And, and, of course, the reasonable answer that comes back from her sentence. Yeah, that's not – she had the covering there, and she was going between things, and they were socially distant, so it's okay. It's like, ah, well, now now you want to have nuanced rules. And that's saying we would like to all live in a world where we have nuanced rules for ourselves but black and white rules for other mm-hmm. people. And Pelosi very often comes under – comes right. – puts herself in a position where it is do as I say, not as I do. That makes her look bad.
3: But the only problem it, we have this is okay, I would like indoor, you know, I would like to get my hair cut indoors, not outdoors, I like to get my hair cut when I want to. Thankfully in New York we ha- we've been able to get a haircut for a, for a month. Uh and but, you look good. but the, my my problem is is that people are going out of business and they can't and hairstylists are unemployed because of rules that she supports and she throws it in your face. Final thought on that, Chris?
17: I think that we're all going to have to come to some pretty bad bad, and hard terms in the next few months about the real damage that's happened underneath in this economy, and a lot of the silly-billy stuff that people have, are talking about now will look pretty bad in comparison to just what you describe and the real heartbreak and the real devastation that is going on just under the surface in this country's economy.
3: Chris Steyer, well, thanks so much. We'll make sure to watch you and everything you do. Power to the people. Okay. Uh, he's back. Uh, we go on America's Newsroom, do a simulcast, and then I'll finish up with your calls, one we come back, we're on Fox News Channel as in the same outfit I'm wearing now that you're watching me on Fox Nation. It's going to be exciting. Don't worry.
11: New from the Fox News Podcasts Network.
1: My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're
11: welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to
2: foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We're going to talk more about Nancy Pelosi in a matter of moments. We're going to go on Fox News Channel, the number one news channel in all the world. Uh, the one Fox and Friends we were on in the morning will followed by America's Newsroom. So they're going to go on while we're on the air from uh, nine to noon Eastern time as well. We'll be talking about that and, uh, and a few other things. Whatever's on the mind of Trace Gallagher and Sandra Smith. So uh, let's listen in together
18: wash and a blowout inside. Getting ready to come to you. Cuttered salon there. But salons in San Francisco are only allowed to operate outdoors. Brian Kilmeade's joining us via simulcast. He's co-host of Fox and Friends and the host of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian, it's great to have you here this morning. I saw you tee off on this on Fox and Friends this morning, and you had a lot to say. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, here, here's my problem. Not only is it a double standard for her to go indoors to get her hair cut or styled, What she does without a mask, when she was just condemning the RNC for not spreading out the way they should, add to that. But what I think most about, Sandra, and with your business background, you can truly appreciate this, Mm -hmm. is I think about all the salon owners. I know how small their margins are, how hard they work, how many hours they run their feet, and all they want to do is have an opportunity to be successful, to grow their their black book. Instead, they're told to shut it down for seven or eight months. And then they're told, okay, as of Monday uh, or September 1st, You can open up for outside, really. They told you what to do, how to do it successfully, wear a mask and how to deal with your customer base that you're hoping still wants to come back to you. Now you go outside. Now we find out the speaker goes across country in her airplane for free burning jet fuel, which I think she's offended by, and then she lands and gets her hair done in order to get back and not do a deal that's going to help out the rest of the country in sort of another rescue package. At the same time, I think of the thousands of hair salons that are going under from San Diego to San Francisco because she is part of the the electorate, the, the brain trust that decides it's just too dangerous.
18: You can't imagine she and her team were happy when that video was unveiled. They did put out a statement once it was uh, shown to the public, Brian, and this is how it reads. Her spokesperson says the speaker always wears a mask and complies with local COVID requirements. This business offered for the speaker to come in on Monday and told her they were allowed by the city to have one customer at a time in the business. The speaker complied with the rules as presented to her by this establishment. Doesn't she have an obligation and a responsibility like all of us? to know what the rules are. We all know we walk into a public space, we keep our mask on, and even if it's a restaurant here where you can sit inside, you don't take it off till you're seated. And Brian, our team dug up the rules via the California Department of Public Health, and the mask rule is you have to wear the mask inside of or in line to enter any indoor public space. She wasn't.
3: She wasn't. And what it is, is one of these salons where you rent a chair, it doesn't you know, not so much that I hire these people and they, they're in my salon. You rent a chair and then you pay a portion to the owner. And the owner's outraged because her business obviously is ground to a halt. Just changed uh, erratically, but she said, well, what am I going to do when I get a call from the speaker's staff that says, well, she wants to come down and get her hair cut? She's outraged about the double standard, but at the same time she wonders, do I have the power to make a stand here? And by the way, that oh, those aren't the rules one at a time. You haven't told the owner of that salon that. And she, again, is going around it. Here's the question. When when Nancy Pelosi meets with the press, is she going to get 25 questions on this topic like they do to the president? No matter what the issue is, they'll get a personal issue in the last 27 different ways, and one press member will follow up on the other. Will they be as relentless with her as they are with the president? Because she's uh, arguably on the democratic side as powerful as there is in the opposing party. By so, the way- you, in,
18: you also look at that video, Brian, you think, well, there's nobody else in there. Does, is there a case to be made? That, I mean, there was the other person with her that was wearing a mask. The rules also clearly state regardless of whether anyone from the public is present at the time, you still have to wear the mask indoors. Um, finally, this is the salon owner. I want to get this in here, Erica. She says, we have been shut down for so long, not just me, but most of the small businesses, she says. And I just can't. It's a feeling, she says, a feeling of being deflated, helpless and honestly beaten down the fact that they did this and she came in, it's like a slap in the face. Brian, final yeah.
3: thoughts. And my, my final thought is this. You know, we're also here and we're simulcasting on WABC, WRCN, in New York. And in Manhattan, we had on a woman today who just wants to open up indoor dining to keep to keep her business going. There were 25,000 eateries. It's the same thing. You have these people who shut down dining and s- still get a paycheck like the mayor and governor, but at the same mm. time, they don't care that your business is going out of, out of business. It's the same attitude, it's, and it's sickening and it shouldn't be tolerated.
18: That's tough. Brian Kilmeade, it was great to have you here this morning. We'll have to do this again sometime.
3: I'll see you in the hall, Sandra.
18: Okay, Brian. Thank okay. you. Thank
3: one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. William, listen on WMNC in South Bend, Indiana. Hey, William.
16: Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've talked to you a couple of times. It's always a pleasure. You do a great job. Thank you. The ranch uh, kiosk this morning. Um, my wife calls me. I'm in the other room. She goes, "You got to come and see this. You got to come and see this." I mean, he was dead on. Yeah. In and, fact, let's, um, let's hey,
3: you know what. Uh, since William, you you heard the soundbite, but not everyone did. Let's listen to it.
9: I'm from Kenosha, spent my entire life uh, in Kenosha. My parents lived in Kenosha. Um, I think yesterday was really, for Kenosha itself, more of a thank you for freeing and saving the city of Kenosha. And I can tell you, it's not spin. People were very afraid in Kenosha businesses were burned down, people were locking their doors in their houses, putting kids in basements, getting their hunting rifles out because they were scared for their life. And I think that while many of the things you're saying are important and I'm happy to get to those, I think you're missing in your intro, and in the seven o'clock hour, your intro here, you are missing and dismissing the fear that people have in this country for wild violence put on by people who are coming out of town, destroying cities and businesses, and it needs to be addressed.
3: Uh, that was great soundbite. That's who you were talking about?
16: exactly what I was talking about. I have one other thing I'd like to say. And then, of course, everybody, there was three other people that came at him saying that, no, that wasn't correct and and trying to debunk the whole thing that he had just said, which it was spot on. But yesterday, also, I got a LinkedIn message. And the question was, who are you going to vote for? And there's, there's a certain guy's response. I cannot recall his name. He said, I'm gonna, what I'm going to vote for is I'm going to vote for this country going back to the way it was, greatest country in the world. I'm going to vote for the right to vote. I'm going to vote for my Fifth Amendment rights. I'm going to vote for the ability to my Second Amendment to, to bear arms. I'm going to vote for, and it just went down the whole list of everything that what we're really here for, What why we're this country as great as we are, as opposed to people coming in this country and want to change it and make it different than than what it is. If, If they really like something else like that, then... Go to another country. Uh, listen, let's think about what's going on right now.
3: They're trying to steal our past. They passed all these rules in Washington, D.C. to take down statues of Benjamin Franklin, qualifying plaques on Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, uh, and and uh, Francis Scott Key. And at the same time, they're trying to change the curriculum to, to change what we're learning. So we're changing what we're learning about the past, changing what we're learning about the future. If you don't like the country, we used to have this debate with other countries that we were better than other countries. We used to be the arrogant... Absolutely. Uh, when we travel, all well, those Americans, they think they're in this great country. Now we don't know. Not only do we not have to swagger, we're our biggest detractor. What has happened? Exactly. I don't know. And,
16: and again, our, our, our history is our history, good, bad, and indifferent. Change the things that weren't good. Continue to go forward on the stuff that's been successful, the things that have helped us become the greatest nation in the world. And in between, let's figure out what we can do better.
3: I hear you. Thanks so much, Julie. FM News Talk ninety seven one in St. Louis. Julie.
0: Hey, hey, Brian. I agree with you. I think the biggest issue is this mail-in voting fraud. You think it's there's unrest now? Wait till neither side will agree. You know, to to the winner, and there's just going to be uncertainty. And people don't understand the difference between mail-in ballots and absentee ballots. There just needs to be a more comprehensive explanation of this issue to the American voter. Memes and sound bites don't explain what is. You know, we're just whistling past the graveyard on this one. We need to take this on comprehensively, and we don't know. I mean, Democrats should be as fearful of this as Republicans because it might lead to a Trump re-election. Absolutely.
3: In fact, no. in fact, this is the point you're bringing to, and thanks so much for the call, Julie, and everyone in St. Louis for listening. Joss Mendelson of Axios, here's a little of what he was saying um, on Axios. He's the CEO of Hawkfish, and he says there's a scenario out there that's likely that I think is going to be totally unpalatable for Trump supporters. Listen to what he says could happen on Election Day. Cut five.
1: A mirage, by definition, is something that appears to be there, but that doesn't really exist. And you have a model scenario called the red mirage. What does that mean?
10: The reason we talk about a red mirage is, in fact, because we believe that on election night, we are going to see Donald Trump in a stronger position than the reality actually is.
3: And what's going to happen, they believe, is he will win on election day, and when they count all the... Mail-in ballots, he will lose. Is that going to be acceptable to you? Back in a moment.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. This is typical Washington, D.C.,
15: they get on national TV, they preach to the American people that it should be one way, and yet in private, when the cameras are not rolling, and in this case, I guess the cameras were rolling, it shows a very different story. It's the same thing whether it's in San Francisco with her going into a salon or in the privacy of a negotiating room, it's time that she gets serious about helping the American people. The president has been willing to do that. In fact, the president is the only one in Washington, D.C. that's acted in the last four weeks. We invite her back to the table to hopefully help the American
3: people. Uh, that was Mark Meadows going off on the fact that Nancy Pelosi went to town on Republicans for not wearing masks at the RNC and then has appeared in, indoors at a salon without a mask on when you're not even supposed to be indoors on the West Coast. Troy is in Indiana. Hey, Troy.
12: Hey, how you doing, Brian? Um... I I'm new to your show and but but I did tune in this morning and uh, there was a gentleman that was just on from south in Indiana and I'm originally from south Indiana so I, I hail okay. from Indiana but today I live in San Diego, California. Um I I wanted to call in today just to give uh, your audience a little bit of a perspective on um what it's like to be a what what I would consider a high wage earner African American gentleman in America. Um, But I did start in South Bend, Indiana, and I was on Medicaid and we did use food stamps and, you know, I did have free lunch and and all of those things. Um, So I was one of those kids that were pulled over by the police officers and, you know, for no reason and why am I in this neighborhood and so on. But as I got older, I realized that I wanted something better for my life. So, you know, I, I went to school, got my bachelor's, got my master's and able to live in San Diego now, but when I watch TV, I I can relate to what's going on in these inner cities, even though I don't live there anymore. And it's for a reason, you know, because I want to give my kids and my wife, uh, you know, a safe place to live, a, a good home, and a good education. Um, so I, but 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 so America understands that. You know, I am one of those people they see running down the streets at night and screaming and yelling and, you know, because they're being oppressed and being, you know, uh, I guess, held down by the police in certain aspects of their life because that was me. I, I, I was one of those people, but I came out of that, and I just want everyone to understand, you know, that listens to Fox News that these people and who, who are me— can come out, but they just need the opportunity like I got, and so I'm giving the same opportunities that that I got to my to my kids and I am we we're, we're a we're a biracial family I'm married to a you know, to a white woman and i'm a african american male We have biracial kids, and me and my wife fear for our for our kids and for our family today. Even though we live in one of the safest communities in San Diego, because of all of the divisive racism that we see happening on both sides, you know it's it's on both sides, and we've got Trump. Let me ask something.
3: So you you walk around on you know up until uh, George Floyd six months ago. If I come up to you and a pre pandemic, and you're at uh, your local eatery wherever it is, you you worry. Do I worry? Yeah. Do, do I
12: worry? I, I be honest with you, Brian. I don't worry for myself because I now have, you know, I've come up through it. I've learned how to deal with it. I know what to do when I'm pulled over by the police officers. I I, I know being 47 years old, I've seen it. I've done it. And so – but you know who I worry for? I worry for my 14-year-old, my 17-year-old, and my 20-year-old because they're all young, what America would consider African-American boys, but they're really biracial boys. But if they get pulled over by the sheriff, they're I worry for them. So when my sons are out and it's close to 11 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm looking for them because I don't want them walking on the streets getting pulled over by the sheriff and saying the wrong thing. Even though they're not being disrespectful, so I don't worry for myself anymore. Right. Only because well, listen, I can't put myself—I
3: like, can't put myself in your shoes. But uh, I just know if—if if you believe like I believe that 99% of the cops are good, just doing a job, especially in these days of conflict when you could lose your life at any second. I think if—if uh, if you answer the questions and you do what you're supposed to be doing, you're not going to have a problem. You don't believe that? I, what, what I
12: do believe, and again, I'm I'm, I'm coming from experience. Yeah. You know, when, when when I was in my, my 20s and 30s and, you know, when I used to drive, when, when I drive, and regardless of if I'm doing anything wrong, I know my tags are good. I know I got a, a valid license, you know, but when I'm driving down the road, if a highway patrol got behind me or a South Bend police officer got behind me, I got afraid. And then I would ask myself, Troy, you... Why are you afraid? You have a valid license. You have a valid insurance. You make good money. You live in a great neighborhood. You've done everything society expects you to do. So why are you afraid? And it's an innate fear that we grow up with as african-american men that we're going to run into the wrong police officer and you are you are right 99 percent of police officers are great upstanding gentlemen females of the community i know some personally i'm a gun owner you know i know some personally i've shot at the ranges with with police officers but it's still it's right it's an innate fear that you have, and Brian, I'm sorry I don't want to take up all your time, but I, I did want to address the cancel culture item that's kind of going on in America because we, as a biracial family, have to struggle with that more so than a lot of people in America. Because what we're being told and taught, you know, as an African American coming up in life, you know, I was never really I was taught a little bit about Martin Luther King. I was taught a little bit about Thurgood Marshall, but I was celebrating. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Christopher Columbus. Right. And so I'm being taught as an African American all these things and then as I grew up I realized there's so much more to African American See there there
3: that they're, this is a productive conversation. Let's expand yeah. to those people rather than subtract. Let's expand to the the people so people feel more a part of American history when you hear about great men like that. And that includes great athletes like Jack Johnson, Muhammad Ali, who made an impact beyond, and Jim Brown, uh, beyond the field, beyond the ring. And I'd rather expand it than saying, let's stop talking about Francis Scott Key. Let's stop talking about, believe it or not, Benjamin Franklin, who was anti-slavery as anybody in the country. So I'm for that. That's a great idea. Thanks for the call. Great insight. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Get Sam used to the Alamo Avengers. I'm signing books tonight. I'm going to be able to personalize it for you. And always remember, you can listen to the show at Show.com or any place else you
11: get podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.